The good news is that you've got uh, pretty good weather today. It's hot, 30 degrees right now. Mainly, uh, the weather's going to be mainly fine apart from isolated showers in the morning. Uh, I'm Andrew Work. It's 831, and Samantha Butler is now bringing you the half-hour news. Amnesty International is calling for greater scrutiny of what it calls the shadowy and poorly regulated global trade in tear gas. The human rights group says it's fueling human rights violations by police against protesters all over the world. The report singles out Hong Kong as an example of where tear gas has been used excessively and inappropriately. Patrick Wilkin is an arms control researcher with the group. There was the City Tower incident where protesters didn't have any safe exit and there was desperation on the ground as the police fired tear gas and also the metro station incident where, again, it was a confined space where tear gas is in heavy concentration and and people struggle to avoid its effects. What we've seen in Hong Kong is repeated excessive use on protesters that in many instances were completely peaceful, in other instances were largely peaceful. Ocean Park opens tomorrow for the first time since its closure in January due to the coronavirus. It'll operate at 25% capacity for the first two weeks and online reservations for the first two weekends are said to be already full. The government gave the struggling theme park a $5 billion bailout last month, but Howard Yu, a professor of management and innovation at IMD Business School in Switzerland, says he doesn't see any long-term viability of the park given regional competition, its over-reliance on mainland tourists and a lack of diversity in its business. There's this over-reliance on Chinese tourists, right? And even before that, there's already emerging newer theme park around the region, which reduce the uniqueness of Ocean Park itself. So it's the classic competition from newcomers into the region. It's the over-reliance on one single business model, exploiting it to the extreme. And the third I would add is Ocean Park really have never taken advantage of digitization, alternative business model ahead of time. President Trump has promised to spend more on police training in his first policy proposals since nationwide protests erupted in response to the killing of George Floyd. He said progress couldn't be made by falsely labeling millions of decent Americans as racist or bigots. We're working to finalize an executive order that will encourage police departments nationwide to meet the most current professional standards for the use of force, including tactics for de-escalation. We'll take care of our police. We're not defunding police. If anything, we're going the other route. We're going to make sure that our police are well-trained, perfectly trained, they have the best equipment. His Democratic presidential rival Joe Biden said Mr. Trump had run away from a meaningful conversation on systemic racism and police brutality. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Bank Chat. I'm Hugh Chivers and your co-host today, Danny Gittings. Danny, good morning to you. Good morning. We're talking today about the 2020 LegCo elections. The government has announced that the election will be held on September the 6th. Both political part camps are busy coordinating candidates for the upcoming election in order to secure a majority in the legislature. Speaking at a press conference on Tuesday, Benny Tai said he would be organising primaries for the pan-democratic camp in the five geographical constituencies. 
Services, the so-called Super Seats and the Health Services Sector Seat. Voters will be casting their votes to decide who will be the backup and who will be contesting in the elections. Uh, is this uh, an efficient tactic to concentrate the votes or will it stimulate rivalry in the pan-democratic camp? What are the electoral strengths and weaknesses of the pro-establishment alliance? What are the key races and the functional constituency? Will it happen at all? Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email us, backchat at rthk.hk. Call us on 233-88266. is the number. Just before we get to that, a couple of uh, other issues. First of all, an email from Larry. Uh, who says Hong Kong Free Press pointed out that an African-American woman who's lived here for eight years was upset after a Black Lives Matter solidarity event she tried to organise was unfairly derailed by some Hong Kong protesters and she was accused of having expat privileged, being backed by the CCP, being shady, etc. The event was supposed to be a peaceful one which would enable like-minded supporters of the civil rights movement in the US to share music and poetry and... uh, uh, Larry has a link to a Twitter uh, uh, account of uh, uh, Tom Grundy, who's the editor of the uh, Hong Kong Free Press. And there's, uh, there's a very interesting discussion there, actually, on, on this uh, situation, on this case. So I do remember, I do recommend, if you're interested, to, to have a look at that story and look at the thread uh, and the discussion that happens with uh, Tom Grundy's uh, Twitter account. Larry says, somebody who simply wanted to express support for the rights of African-Americans was bullied to the point that she had to give up her idea to organise an event. This really stinks. That comes from Larry. As I say, I recommend you, you read the thread for more information. Uh, Andrew K says, Lee Chuck Yan, again defending his right to break the law, put him in jail. Hong Kong does not need his outdated style of advocacy. That comes uh, from Andrew Kay. 233-88266 is our number. Our guest in the uh, first half of the show this morning, uh, Joseph Cheng. Joseph Cheng, uh, former professor of politics at City University of Hong Kong and has also in previous uh, Leisure Council elections helped the uh, Democratic Party in terms of calling candidates. Uh, Good morning, uh, Professor Cheng. Welcome back to the show. Good morning, good morning. Now, um, are they, what do you think the chances are of this Legislative Council elections going ahead at all? I mean, yeah, we had uh, Mike Pompeo warning uh, China against cancelling the elections. Do, do you think that, that that is a possibility, or can we take it for granted these elections will go ahead? I guess uh, on the part of the pro-democracy movement, uh, everybody expects that the elections will go ahead. We understand that there may be all types of uh, dirty tricks, especially with regard to the disqualification of candidates and so on. But we work on the uh, assumption that the elections will go ahead. And how are you going to deal with disqualification? I mean, you've had situations before where they, I mean, you, of course, you, it's now routine. You put up an A candidate and a B candidate, but you've had situations before where they've come c- close to disqualifying your B candidate as well as your A candidate. Yes, uh, I think every political party, political group concerned has been thinking about the danger, about the uh, challenges of being disqualified. So you have plan A, you have plan B, that is to say uh, one candidate will replace the other uh, who has been uh, disqualified. And there are preparations of endorsing candidates uh, from outside the group. If the, group is, if the group as a whole is seen to be politically unacceptable. So uh, I would say each slate of candidates will have its own 
contingency plans. You raise a good point there, don't you? It's just a, rather than just disqualifying individual candidates, you might see sort of a, a blanket ban on everybody in the group, and then the um, the A, B, even C, D strategy wouldn't work because they're all part of the same group, and so they're all banned. Yes, as I was saying, so there there are contingency plans of endorsing someone from outside the group. Uh, the fact that Aulok Hin uh, was endorsed by Tamil Sisto uh, and he won a seat in Hong Kong Island uh, was a good example of this practice. And what happens if, as been suggested by Tam Yu Chung, that they say upholding the, the basic law means um, upholding uh, the national security legislation introduced um, under Annex 3 of the basic law? And, I mean, who can stand from the pro-democracy camp if it becomes a condition that um, you have to uphold the national security law? We can certainly still find somebody, we can still certainly find some freshmen who, are, who has who have not appeared publicly in various uh, political activities, but this certainly is a very, very tragic scenario. We understand all kinds of contingencies, all kinds of challenges. Even if we manage to secure, uh, say, 36, 37 seats in the legislature, there are definite possibilities of a few of them being disqualified subsequently being sent, uh, being prosecuted subsequently, and we may still uh, uh, do not have a functioning majority in the Legislative Council. Uh, we understand all these challenges, all these difficulties, and so on, but there is a chance for ordinary Hong Kong people uh, to demonstrate their demands, to demonstrate their dissatisfaction with the Carrie Lam administration. So we, we would like to make good use of this opportunity. This is legitimate, peaceful, and uh, a rare opportunity for millions of Hong Kong people to, to take part. So we, we, we just can't let go. We just have to take it very, very seriously and try our very best. So you, you, you'd be completely against a boycott of any kind or blank votes or anything like that? You'd Every effort to put somebody up, anybody... As you say, an 18-year-old or something. Well, uh, it is not for me to, mm. uh, uh, to talk about these contingency plans. It is actually the contingency plans of each slate of candidates, and they have their own uh, uh, plans and ideas, and I'm, I, I, I do believe they are not ready to reveal them uh, to the public. So they, they are prepared to some extent. But this is, of course, sad. Uh, this certainly means that the uh, uh, more desirable, the better candidates may not have a chance to run, and you have to uh, look to, you have to depend on the second, third choices, and so on. And of course, you've got all these schisms within the camps, haven't you? And with even within parties, you've got the older members versus the younger members, and so on. And you've got more localist and less localist tendencies, and uh, all kinds of differences among the camp. You know, it's, can you coordinate? Can you uh, discipline Democrats in the same way? There is, of course. This is, of course, a challenge of a very, very tall order. Uh, as you say, as you said, uh, there are all kinds of differences. All kinds of uh, you may even say 
some personal rivalries uh, among them and so on, and it is extremely difficult. But I, I think we, we have two major assets. The first asset is that uh, the pro-democracy movement will try to exploit the general desire on the part of our supporters and probably uh, the desire of a majority of Hong Kong people uh, to support us securing a majority of seats in the legislature. And the second asset is that um, the movement will appeal to voters not to vote for uh, candidates within our camp uh, who have refused to take part in, in the primaries concerned. And I do believe that this appeal will work to a very, very large extent. And I think uh, uh, we work on, on this principle. The difficulties you have mentioned are real because of the electoral system. It is, uh, it is a kind of uh, uh, multi-member, uh, single vote, uh, almost proportional representation kind of system. So everybody thinks that I may have a chance. I may in the end uh, achieve a breakthrough and I get the minimum number of votes to secure a seat. And, and, and there is also naturally uh, a belief that even if I don't do well this time, even if I lose this time, I may still uh, make my name known, I may still uh, introduce myself to the uh, voters, and, I, and so I may have a much better chance next time, the kind of thing. The temptations are, are there, and that is why uh, they, uh, we have no doubt that the difficulties are substantial, that the challenge is, uh, is of a very tall order. What do you think, uh, what do you estimate the chances are of getting 35 seats? I mean, we, we look at the district council election. Yes, it's true, the district council elections, uh, in terms of uh, the number of seats, the pan-democratic camp won was very, very impressive. But then you look at the vote share, the vote share was below 60%. You, you didn't actually have a very, very solid vote share to go on um, in legislative council elections where um, uh, proportional representation is much more important in the direct elections. We are looking for a small miracle, we understand. A small miracle. <laughs> for a small miracle. <laughs> so um, the odds are against, the odds are yeah, against yeah. it on 35 seats. Yeah, so exactly. We all understand that the electoral system, uh, according to the basic law, is designed uh, to ensure that the pro-establishment camp will secure a majority of seats in the legislature so as to support the administration, so as to uh, produce a very efficient government, so, so that the opposition, the pro-democracy movement, will become relatively uh, uh, useless, uh, not able to function effectively. We, all, we understand. Uh, at the moment, we expect a high voter turnout rate, and we just don't know. For example, uh, in the district council elections, last November, uh, we managed to, to achieve a voter turnout rate of over 70%, which is unbelievable, which is not expected by anyone in, in Hong Kong. And yet, uh, uh, we, we achieved that, that kind of uh, voter turnout rate in the district council elections, which had never exceeded 50% 50, 50 before. So high voter turnout rate is a key factor here. Um, we do not underestimate the difficulties, as we said. We still expect that the pro-establishment camp will more or less maintain a 40% voter support rate, uh, 
uh, or even slightly more than 40%. And some of the key seats in the functional uh, constituencies like uh, uh, retail and wholesale and retail, catering and so on, are still untested. We, we have high hopes uh, for these functional constituencies. We are going to compete, but still, we are not certain at all. We, we are not sure how uh, the, electorate, the electorates in these functional constituencies will respond to the challenge of the times because, uh, as we all know, the uh, uh, previous voter turnout rate, say, in the catering uh, functional constituency, in the re wholesale retail functional constituency, were extremely low. Sounds to me like you're you're hoping in terms of pushing up the number of seats of the Democratic camp, you're you're you're, you're pinning your hopes really on these um, fun, fun, functional constituencies you target in the way you haven't in the past, rather than uh, getting more seats in the geographical constituencies. Yes, there is of course a certain limit to to what we can achieve yeah. uh, in the uh, district-based constituencies. Say you look at Hong Kong Island. Uh, if you get four out of six, that's probably yeah. the maximum we can achieve. Uh, I think you need a big miracle <laughs> if you can secure five out of six in Hong Kong Island, etc. So you look at uh, New Territories East, New Territories West. Uh, if you can get six, that is uh, out of nine in each of these constituencies. Uh, that is a very, very respectable result. Getting seven out of nine Again, it's a small miracle already. There, there are limits, as I was saying. Uh, we, we understand that the pro-establishment camp has a very effective uh, election machinery, and we expect that it can still retain 40% uh, uh, of the votes in the direct elections. So there is a limit there. And we are looking for, for slightly more than 35, 36, uh, and therefore, some of the functional constituencies, like what I have mentioned, be, has become uh, the key. They have become the key to, to, to the achievement of our goal. Uh, you know, the, the Civic Party uh, did say at that press conference that uh, they, were, they, they wanted a majority for the pan-democratic forces, and if they got that, they would paralyse the Legislative Council. They'd paralyse the government, effectively. They wouldn't pass the budget. They wouldn't pass any bills. Um, they'd bring uh, life to, to, a, to a halt. Uh, is it possible that, uh, with that in mind that, again, that would be a reason to not hold the Legislative Council elections. Can you imagine a scenario where that, combined with threats, I don't know, of terrorism or something like that, would simply mean that um, they're not going to go ahead with it? Yes, we, we understand that, uh, that the Chinese authorities, that the Carrie Lam administration, may have all types of contingency plans, uh, to stop the pro-democracy the, the pro movement from getting a majority. And uh, even if the latter manages to secure a majority, there may still be all types of uh, uh, tricks, all types of uh, measures uh, against, that, uh, against that scenario. Like what I just said, uh, some of the elected legislators may still be prosecuted, may still be disqualified, and and so on. We, we understand, but we, we are trying very hard. 
and uh, you have mentioned, since you have mentioned it, there is of course a certain, uh, there, uh, a certain differences among the political groups. Uh, some would like to make that flat more flexible, uh, some would like to insist on pledges made uh, when the taking part in the primaries. And this appears to be probably the most serious challenge of holding the primaries, of holding the camp together, respecting the outcomes of the primaries. All right, some, a couple of comments from uh, Anthony. First of all, Anthony says, will the pro-demolition camp rig the elections again by harnessing the voting centre staff, as in the district council election? Uh, Anthony, I'm not sure what you mean. Do you mean harassing? Uh, or harnessing voters and staff. I'm not quite. If you could give a bit more detail on that, would be good. Or give us a call, Anthony. Uh, Anthony has a question for Mr. Chang. He says, "Do you think in this election, pro-establishment candidates will be assassinated again, like Julius Julius Ho, or their office being vandalised before the elections by the pro-dem supporters? And do you think pro-violence candidates or pro-separatism candidates should be disqualified?" And do you think this time Hong Kong's election will be the reprise of Germany Labour Party winning the majority in the parliament back in 1933 as both the supporters of violence campaigns before the election? That's from Anthony. Well, uh, a simple answer to that is that the vast, vast majority of the supporters of the pro-democracy movement support a non-violent approach in their political struggles. Uh, those who are ready to take radical actions are a very distinct uh, minority. And there, there are, of course, tactical considerations as well, besides the principles. I think we all understand that uh, um, the kind of incidents raised certainly will be very damaging to the image of the candidates of the pro-democracy camp and certainly we would try our very utmost to, to avoid these incidents. And I'm sure that those who actually engage in violence, in vandalism, should be punished according to the law. There's no doubt about it. Oh, hang on, sorry, you just said that those who engage in violence, um, vandalism should be punished according to the law, so you are condemning uh, radical frontline protesters who use uh, violence? No, no, I'm talking about... Uh, vandalism, potential vandalism incidents uh, against, uh, uh, against uh, pro-establishment camp politicians and, and so on, as suggested by, by our uh, audience. Uh, with regard to the general clashes between the police and the protesters, which had been occurring uh, since the second half of last year, I think Hong Kong people have already spoken public opinion surveys consistently demonstrate that about 70% of the Hong Kong people believe that the major responsibility, that the major responsibility lies with the Hong Kong government, lies with Beijing, lies with the police. And about 40% of the Hong Kong people believe that the major responsibility lies with the protesters. 
Yeah, I mean, you raise an interesting point there, because you're quite right. Opinion polls consistently showed about 70% say the major blame lies with the government. But then in the district council elections, you've got, I think, wasn't it 56%, something like that? There's a, there's a, and even now, you're talking about 60-40 um, split, maybe, or even slightly less. Uh, there's a difference between the level of public support in these opinion polls and what you actually receive in the elections, isn't there? Yes. Uh, we have to admit that voter turnout rate, even in the district council elections, uh, was only 70%, slightly more than 70%. And there, there, there is also a considerable segment of Hong Kong people, of qualified work voters, who have not actually registered. Uh, so so there, there is a gap there. And I think there is also, uh, and we also have to make a distinction between uh, the expression of the sentiments of a position and the actual action of going to vote uh, on election day. Yeah, just as a matter of interest, the um, the Wikipedia page. The Wikipedia is very gives a very very full account of. Ele- I'm not sure who does it. I did know who did it, and I've forgotten actually who, who, who puts together the Wikipedia pages on uh, Hong Kong elections, but they're extremely thorough. I can't vouch for their accuracy in every regard, but they're very thorough, and there's, there's quite a full one already on the uh, September election, which lists, for example, potential candidates for all the, for all the constituencies, and, and it has a lot of detail. Anyway, their, their accounting of the district council elections had uh, 56% for the pro-establishment, for the pro-democracy to 42 yeah for the uh, yeah. pro, pro-establishment. So 56 to 42 is our, our uh, understanding also, yes. The, yes. The, I mean, just briefly, the district council elections in terms of the vote share were, that the Democratic cause got wasn't such a great victory, was it? I, I know in terms of number of seats it was. So 56 to 42 is... Yes, I mean, it's below the 64... Historically, but, the 60, 40, you mm. talk about 60, 40. We understand. That is, that is why, uh, as you noticed, that I, I said right in the beginning... Yeah. That we, we we understand we we understand that the pro-establishment camp still has a very effective election machinery, and even you know in the district-based uh, direct elections, uh, we expect that they will probably maintain a a uh, vote securing rate of 40 percent or even slightly less, 42 and so on. And that is also why we believe there's a limit to what we can achieve. I mean, uh, like Hong Kong Island, uh, four out of six is maximum, is the optimum. We, we can hardly expect to win five out of six. We understand the uh, scenario. Yeah, I mean, okay, here's another email f- from Anthony, uh, who says, uh, Mr. Cheng, do you agree that the government should not facilitate and give priority to the disabled and elderly to cast their votes because they do not deserve to vote than the young generation? Uh, I do not have strong views on this issue, but the pro-democracy groups have been complaining to the uh, Electoral Affairs Commission for more than a decade, for almost 20 years, that the uh, elderly homes must be monitored because uh, a lot of old people have been exploited. They used to be taken to voting stations by uh, tour buses after uh, after a day a daily uh, excursion with a nice seafood lunch and so on. Now, uh, 
these actions are less conspicuous. Uh, they are taken by individuals uh, on an individual basis to the uh, voting stations. And, and the television stations, Hong Kong media, have been reporting for many, many years that some of them did not know what, to, what exactly was involved, and they had to be, and, and numbers had to be written on their palms so that they, they, they would remember to vote for number one or for, for number two when they uh, entered the voting booth. So these practices must be stopped. And I'm quite surprised that the police, that the ICAC have not been, taken, have not been taking effective okay. action. One more comment from Anthony. Mr. Cheng, you are right. The so-called non-violence pro-Dem candidates are enjoying the political dividends from the radical rioters, not condemning the violent protesters, but they should be arrested. So, Mr. Cheng, are you supporting that five demands that include releasing those arrested? I do, I do believe that there should be a careful examination of this demand after the setting up and the after the setting up of an independent commission of investigation to look at the entire uh, crisis and to make recommendations and we should certainly look at the uh, uh, the cases on an individual basis. Uh, I certainly have a lot of sympathy for those who have been provoked by the police, who have been wrongly accused by the police. I certainly believe that it was the police which started very violent actions against the protesters on June the 12th last year, and gradually the violence escalated. And as I indicated, Hong Kong people do believe, the majority of Hong Kong people do believe that the major responsibility lies with the administration mm. and the police. Okay, well, uh, Joseph Chang, thank you very much indeed for, for joining us this morning. Bruce on Facebook says, the virus, the national security laws, Cold War with the USA, protests and strikes, the likelihood of anything, everything not changing dramatically tomorrow or next day or July or August, what's the point about talking about September elections? But I will happily listen today. Love RTHK Radio 3 from Bruce. Thank you very much indeed for that. Thank you to uh, Joseph Chang, former professor of politics at City University, continuing the discussion after the news at nine and the weather mainly fine apart from isolated morning showers 30 degrees at the moment with a very hot weather warning and the relative humidity is now at 73 percent back in three minutes time a more reliable force to confront U.S. military threats. Negotiations on ending the North's nuclear weapons program have been deadlocked despite two much-vaunted summits between the two leaders. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. This is Back Chat on a Friday morning with Danny Gittings and Hugh Chiverton. Uh, incidentally, we're going to be joined by uh, Executive Councillor uh, Ronnie Tong uh, for the whole programme on uh, Monday. Yes, uh, Ronnie Tong will be here to uh, answer all your questions about the uh, national security legislation. Uh, so uh, that's your chance to talk to an Executive Councillor and find out uh, what he knows and what he can uh, say about the national security legislation. So that'll be for the whole programme uh, on Monday. Uh, please 
do us all for the favour and give us a call. Uh, 233-88266, the usual number, uh, of course, and you can talk directly to uh, Ronnie Tong. You can ask him the questions and make the comments, uh, and then he can respond in real time. And it's, uh, it's, if it's at all possible, it's by far the best way to run a radio programme. Trust me, uh, rather than me mangling your uh, emails or Facebook comments. Um, uh, in the meantime, if you can't call, then uh, you can email backchat.rthk.hk or you can comment on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio. Radio 3. Uh, as I say, so Ronnie Tong joining us on Monday between 8.30 and uh, 9.30. Uh, today we're focusing on the September uh, elections. Uh, some more emails uh, from Anthony f- uh, responding to uh, Joseph Cheng, who was I guess in the first part of the programme. Uh, Anthony says, the seafood thing is just some narrative fabricated by the po- pro-demolition camp, which also arranged seafood trips. Uh, and sending fake news to smear the opponent. You are such a propanda. And uh, Anthony also says, why not looking at individual cases as many are are now investigated by the court and judges, which can also review how the police are falsely accused, question mark, the new as an academic and run statistics. And Bowen says, Dear Backchat, there is, of course, no certainty that the pandems will win a majority in LegCo this time, but that is not necessarily the most important thing. To be fair, they did pretty well in 2016's elections, but they've squandered part of what they'd achieved by doing unnecessary things, like those performances during oath-taking, which gave CY Lung opportunities he could not have wished for to wreak mortal damage on the camp. Professor Carol Peterson had warned after the election and before the oath-taking saga started about the need for the pandems to roll up their sleeves, dig in and do concrete work, rather than wasting their time on flashy but inconsequential performances. One supposes the pandems must have a great cost learnt from that episode. Some, although perhaps not all, of the lessons of applying cost-benefit analysis to whatever they do. Similar lessons await the pandemocratic camp as a whole, for example, in regard to the calibration of their protests and associated actions, correct positioning on the issues of separatism and independence, better communication with the public on controversial events, like they're effectively blocking the election of the House Committee's chairman in LegCo. Above all, they need to raise their political maturity, and they need to do it by leaps and bounds. That comes uh, from Bowen. Thank you very much indeed for that. Backchat at rthk.hk. A couple more comments. Uh, Let's see. This is from... Uh, Andrew F., who says the panic in the voice there of Mr. Cheng, Joseph Cheng, when Danny suggested he might have just condemned violence, tells you everything you need to know about the state of politics in Hong Kong. He, of course, rushed to correct himself before he'd be shunned by his masters, the kids doing it, the tail that wags the dog. While violence was only committed by a tiny fraction of pro-democracy protectors, the fact that the pan-democratic camp refused to condemn it makes them unelectable for me and many people I personally know. While I accept that I may not represent a silent majority, I believe it's a much more silent minority than the pandems give credit for. They may live to regret this stance on violence, which I still can't understand. How hard is it to just say that burning people you disagree with is wrong? Very hard, clearly given Avery Ng's response to that exact question. And Drake says, to the idiots who keep hinting about pardoning what they call what that call rioters, either prosecute the officers who had used excessive force 
as well like what the US is doing and all those involved in knifing attacks in North Point and Chunwan and the hundred involved in the Yunlong MTR terrorist attack or free everyone and let the government shoulder the responsibility for stirring up all these political turmoils. That's from Drake. For the <coughs> second half of the show, we are joined by Edward Yum, who is a candidate for the Legislative Council by-election on Hong Kong Island in 2018, and uh, Benson Wong, political analyst, both in our Queensway studio. Good morning. Welcome to uh, back, back to Back Chat. Um, uh, morning. Ed, um, Edward Yum, let's start with yes, you. Um, sure. Uh, I don't see your, your, your name on the list of um, speculative <laughs> candidates. For You're not standing this year, well, right? Well, that's a good question, actually. Well, I, I think it's such a short notice for Mr. Benny Tai to announce everything just yesterday. And then they said um, the, the, the primaries will be held next month, July 11th and 12th, I believe. Um, first of all, well, no one had the advance notice and uh, someone like me or, or the other so-called in the pandem or the yellow cabinet, um, a lot of people just didn't aware or, you know, we, we didn't have a clue how to participate or um, how to get ready for this. And I believe like even um, some legal member, uh, some pan-democrats, they, uh, they, they also raise questions on, you know, all these like rules and, you know, uh, whether they need to sign something to align the platform or such and such. So I guess, well, uh, I, I don't doubt, you know, the intention or, or um, uh, the thoughts about, you know, having the primaries. But, uh, well, since I also had the experience in 2018, um, I, I don't see a clear or a well-informed uh, methodology or the ideas of having the primaries or how to conduct it in a fair mm. and timely manner. So you won't be taking part? <laughs> well, you're, you're, you're hedging, you're, you're reserving your position, hedging your bets. I, I, well, I honestly, I was shocked because when I, when I saw the press con yesterday, um, and then, uh, well, I, I, I actually, I... Well, I, I sent messages mm. to uh, Mr. Benny Tai uh, even like weeks ago. Um, but back then he said, well, there has been nothing uh, concluded yet or just, just ask me to basically just follow the news or to, to basically um, uh, be, be, be ready if I you know, had the interest to uh, participate in this primary. But uh, honestly, everything is, is, well, to me, it seems like in the black box and I had no clue. So you're not happy with the But he's asking you if you want to join in. No, he? no, no, he didn't. He didn't. Even like in the, well, in 2018 or before I announced my participation in the by-election. You, you were in people power. Uh, back then, I no. Actually, oh. I quit uh, before okay. the by-election. So um, even before my by-election, my participation, um, I actually messaged Benny, um, but again, uh, he's well. In that case, well, back then in two thousand, I believe it's December two thousand seventeen. I messaged him, um, but he kind of said, you know, it's kind of too late for me to to join. Or well, uh, even for the by election, I think um, in on the Hong Kong Island side, there's no primary, there's no such system or nothing public um, for the interested candidates to actually run or participate. So that's why, you know, I, I think uh, well, for the... You're, pen, you're, yeah. you're one of the cats that Benny Tai can't herd. Is that right? <laughs> of, well, uh, one of well, the maverick not Democrats. O- not only me, but I guess, yeah. you know, right now the spectrum of the yellow cabinet is, 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 is quite wide. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I think the pan-Democrats should consider hearing more voices. Well, not only me, but I, I mean, there are plenty. 
Okay, uh, Benson yep. Wong is sitting, sitting next to um, Edward Yeoman in our Queensway studio. We're, we're, we're seeing a bit of disunity in the Democratic camp here, aren't we? It doesn't bode very well. Um, uh, <laughs> hello, everyone. I'm Tando C. Welcome back. Yes, thank you. Okay. Um, the whole picture is some people will say complicated in maybe at least two or three ways, like uh, some people will say we should, we, we, don't, we should not have a so-called mock election or pre-election before the formal election in September because uh, the game is not fair to the newcomers, especially those without any people know about him or her, but maybe his or her capacity seems to be negated. And, and second aspect is that some people will regard that so-called uh, mock elections or even pre-election is dominated by pan-democrat uh, big brother or sister that dominated everything and this, uh, the green candidates or even the newcomer are not able to be treated fairly. And last aspect is that um, because the government seems to be aimed at the pan-democrats or even uh, democratic uh, candidates, uh, in other words, in case of joining that pre-elections uh, or even mock elections, uh, it would be corporate is a part of spending of election campaigning that some people may not know about what is the whole things and they may feel really hesitate about that uh, so-called mock elections or pre-election. But anyway, uh, the most important thing is may not be about the mechanism of uh, running uh, the um, so-called mock election or uh, pre-election. The point is the whether the candidate themselves, regardless, um, is a party members or even non-party members. Um, in Hong Kong situation right now, they are not elected for the, his or her respective party, political party, but elected for the Hong Kong people, defending the Hong Kong interests, Hong Kong people interests, and also some very key issues like disparities, violence, uh, carrier maladministrations, and a kind of the Hong Kong development towards one country, one system that I think for those candidates, um, they should address those kinds of issues when launching their own promotion or campaigning. The um, Democrats' chances of getting a majority in the Legislative Council are very difficult as it is. Absolutely depend on unity, don't they? And from what you're saying, you, you talk about all these um, difficulties they're facing in terms of unity. It seems like there's no chance of 35 seats, really. Even with unity, 35 seats is very difficult, right? With, without unity, 35 seats must be impossible. Yeah, I'm rather pessimistic, honestly. Oh, I really think this is kind of uh, mission but impossible. aren't you making it worse? <laughs> oh, no, well, I am not doing anything now. Well, I, I'm kind of you know. You can imagine that there'll be conspiracy theories about you again, won't there? Not for I'm the, the first, not for the first time, right? This, this happened before, right? I'm the, the outsider always. <laughs> you know, they don't consider I'm one of the member of Pandem. And I, you know, uh, when I when I run in the uh, 2018 uh, by election, they well they they said you know I I'm just just here to to you know uh, to do the split or whatever. I well I always denied it because I think everyone has the right to run and uh, even though you don't consider me as a pandemic member I have my own stance and I know what I'm doing and which I, I also provide a choice 
to the voters. Sounds and, to yeah. me like you're preparing to do the same thing again. You're criticizing <laughs> the, the primary, um, uh, Benny Tai's pr- primary, and uh, you clearly are interested in standing. So you'll just go ahead and stand, and then exactly the same accusation will be leveled again that or, you're splitting the vote. Or if I can right now publicly ask Mr. Benny Tai whether I can participate <laughs> the primaries. On Hong Kong Island, then well, I, I'm open for discussions. But it's just that right right now, like it's kind of also quite, quite uh, like I said, it's a short notice. I just got one month to prepare. But um, why is that a problem? Unless you you don't really want to take part in the why is it a problem that you've only got one month to prepare? Well, you you have to uh, align with the others, like all the participants. You know whether we have a, a standard platform or uh, how or whether there will be debates or how to conduct. Um, the poll, or how to count, or, or how to uh, adopt, or to recognize the results, and uh, whether it's, it's fair to everybody, uh, and how you know independent candidates like me uh, compare to uh, political parties, and and whether we get the same kind of media exposure, such and such. I think there's plenty of things or plenty of items to be discussed, and if you allow just one month, I think all the fundamentals, all the foundation work has not yet been agreed. Ben- Wong, are you on his side or do you think he's a fake? Um, of course, <laughs> to be fair, as a maybe potential candidate in the future, they need time for preparations, regardless promotion, uh, and also con- having some kind of uh, promotion over the street that maybe look for the helper, voluntaries to do things, and also a number of right now social media, uh, and also candidate themselves, if they want to do that, they're supposed to prepare their own discourse about the current political situation in Hong Kong, a number of things. Um, but what uh, Edward has said is about a kind of logistical arrangement. But the point is, especially after one year, uh, most of the Hong people, their political awareness uh, increasing, and they are also intended to, to, to check or even examine the chat records of the potential candidates. For example, where did you one year ago? Uh, what you have done over the past year, uh, over the defense of Hong Kong people's interests, blah, blah, blah. So, um, well, to be fair to Edward, that uh, he needs time to prepare, but he has no idea whether he is eligible for the so-called mock election. <laughs> exactly, whether I qualify. But the, <laughs> but the point is, um, Hong Kong people, especially if you experience what happened in November last year, the DC elections, and I'm really confident of the our workers in Hong Kong about the choosing of the right people. But the point is, uh, for the mock election or election, the most important purpose is to help um, work to, to okay to sort up some potential candidates so that they have no problems. Can, can, can I ask? Okay, can I ask how important is are the candidates? Because we were talking about you know the disqualifications and and so on that might occur in the first part of the program, and uh, Joseph Cheng was saying, well, if necessary, they'll just put up completely clean candidate, you know, who's twenty years old or something and has got. Um, no experience or whatever, or, or because then you can't disqualify him for anything, or him or her. Um, you know, in the end, do you think people will vote for anyone who's in that camp? That the actual name of the Democrat, uh, the uh, uh, yeah, the candidate is secondary. Well, the uh, existing electrical members, of course, got the advantages because, well, like I said, they got the exposure, everything. Um, well, not that. Well, uh, not that I'm complaining, but it's just that I, I think um, it's better 
for this kind of primaries to be ready and prepared or be announced uh, way much more time in advance. Because right now, well, just one month, I think it's quite you know difficult for uh, some interested candidates to organize everything in just one month. And, you know, it, it's basically a long way to go. And, and plus, after the primaries, you have to be ready for the actual electrical election. And that's only another two months. And, and it, I, I think it is, it is super crazy. It, the mm. schedule is hectic and it takes a lot of things um, to get ready for, you know, all these kind of important elections. But what you have mentioned about this is qualifications of candidates, uh, because in Hong Kong, we are practicing a list system of the candidate mm. based on this. So it's more likely that maybe the um, the first, maybe the first candidate over the list, maybe the debatable or even controversial one in case of being yeah. disqualified, maybe the second one will will take up. Okay, Other, uh, because they, they cannot. But do you uh, think? Do you think, people, do you think the vote the voters will still go for the list? The, the people vote yes, for the I list. I think so, not especially the, when they the when they do the promotions mm. or even the campaigning at the same time. Maybe uh, in the past, I, I do know that having a list with diff, with uh, different candidates because of a kind of division of labor. Maybe maybe the senior one go to the uh, forum. Maybe the junior one maybe go to the community to meet the people to increase the availabilities of the list. Something like that. So it's kind of, well, let me add one point. I, I think um, having said that, you know, all these rules are set by, uh, well, I, I know like whether it's Mr. Benny Tai himself or they got uh, the, the power for democracy to uh, discuss or to confirm all these agreements. But um, I, I guess it's still a small circle, I would say. Um, okay. If you are not one of them, you know, you, you don't have a say. And, and I, I think, well, shall we, or I mean, everyone who... Uh, care about this should raise up or or should talk to them about or or should you propose some changes because over the past uh, oh, i would say a, a, a few years um they tried to organize all these uh, primaries or, or or some kind of unity but in a sense it's also a, a, a small circle so um, I guess that's something worth... And they've exploring. ignored the results in the past, haven't they, as well? <laughs> uh, when they did that, when... Uh, who was it? There was a time when... Uh, yeah, let me get back to that. There was a time when they had, when they had the result and then they set it aside, didn't they? Uh, uh, no, no uh, for the Kowloon West. Was it for Kowloon West? Yes, yeah, Kowloon yeah, West, yeah. yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, well, I mean, a lot of rules are unclear. And whether it's fair to everybody, especially those who are not so-called their members. So uh, for independent candidates like me, I think I, I honestly felt very, very difficult. Okay. Some, some more comments from listeners. Uh, uh, Bruce, uh, reacting to Anthony's email, says, Anthony must be on the back chat payroll. My fear is Anthony will replace the nice, respected, hard-working woman who just announced retirement because of health, perhaps <laughs> health of Hong Kong. Hugh, are you related to Anthony, LOL? And uh, Martin says, comments on Joseph Cheng. During the protest, the pandems basically acted very similar to like Sinn Féin in Northern Ireland. 
i.e. becoming the political wing of the ultra-violent militant protesters. Now, Joseph Cheng talks about how to get as many pan-demons elected as possible in the upcoming LegCo election. But can Joseph Cheng explain what is their actual political platform besides opposing and paralysing the Hong Kong government and destroying the community and business environment? What concrete solutions are the pandems willing to offer to overcome this crisis and how do they want to shape Hong Kong's future position within the Greater Bay Area and work together with the Hong Kong and central government? That comes from Martin. Thank you very much. You're listening to Backchat on uh, Friday, June the 12th. Of course, it was exactly one year ago that uh, the social unrest essentially started uh, with the surrounding of the Legislative Council and the police firing tear gas um, and rubber bullets for the first time. And we have a caller, caller Ling, on um, the line. I think you want to talk about this anniversary. Good morning. Yes, I'm uh, a researcher and also um, focus on Hong Kong because this is my homeland, actually. So um, I can ask two questions before I express my uh, grievances and also worry about tonight. I don't want to see anybody hurt tonight, okay? And then uh, on um, when I uh, listen to the um, speech, then can I ask... I know there will be an um, election, pre-election, among a small circle. If Hong Kong people want to help ourselves, why don't we be, become more union? For example, I'm not clear. For example, as a researcher, we want to have a broad database. If everybody can do something like pre-election, then we can try to test how popular or how good a candidate are. Then can we different party share the public asset if they join together to run a pre-election. And not just democratic, a small circle people, but those who want to um, elect the legislature, the candidate, they can try and join this pre-election. Or something that will help, that will be more helpful. And I can tell you two hosts, I'm one of the person writing to the um, uh, Councillor, if the chief executive or Mr. Law wanted to find somebody to do the independent reflection committee, I am a person who I want to contribute and help. But you have to respect my value and also give me some living expenses because it is a full-time job and very complicated. Sorry, you mean the... Do you what, agree? What independent committee? Because I can tell you, that is called, the new one can call PNP. And also that is so-called PNP, um, independent so-called. When, when I read the audience, one of my research is among the legal system. And then mm. no, nobody will be responsible if you use the PNP, even independent commission. So not many people really understand what they ask for and how it helpful. But the point that is that through the whole movement, a lot of people dead, injured, or lost their career because they are imprisoned. Some of them run away. So I think today even a lot of people love Hong Kong, they come out. They have to spend more time to study, to think, and ask more knowledgeable person. 
Okay, okay. Thank you very much. Bling, thanks very much indeed for your, for your call. And our, our number, once again, is 233-88266. Do, do give us a call and, and uh, join the conversation. Reminded again that uh, Ronnie Tong, Executive Counsel, will be joining us for the whole programme uh, on uh, Monday, if you want to comment. Um, a couple more uh, emails as well to squeeze in as we come towards the, the end of the programme. Uh, S says, I think this time it will be about which party not to vote for rather than which party to vote for. So the profile of each candidate will not be as critical. Uh, and uh, Paul Zimmerman says Benny Tai and others have been holding numerous meetings with candidates in the different constituencies. The meetings were attended by many Not potential candidates. Okay, uh, were attended by many potential candidates, including many, if not mostly, independents. All aspects of the proposed mechanisms, considering all existing and potential constraints, were discussed and considered by all. The rules were determined by those who spent time participating. The meetings were open to anyone interested in running. Those interested in maximising seats for the Democrats are committed to support the process of continuous deliberation and fine-tuning. Smart voting in the previous LegCo elections largely worked. That comes uh, from uh, Paul Zimmerman. Thank you very much indeed for that. Um, Paul Zimmerman, who's been at the rough end of some decisions uh, himself in electoral terms. Uh, well, uh, Benson, Paul, but, yeah. Paul was in the circle. That's why he didn't feel left out. Uh, but, well, but it rhymes. But, but the, the call that we just answered, it rhymed with what I said. You know, it didn't cover or the pandemic did not consider as many voices as they should. Okay, let's move away from the primary. Edward Yum, you're clearly considering standing for the Legislative Council this year. You stand for the Legislative Council. You have to um, pledge to uphold the uh, basic law and quite possibly answer additional questions from a returning officer. If, as um, Tam Yu Chong has suggested, one of those questions is, do you support the national security law? How will you answer that? Well, uh, first of all, I, I reserve my comment or my stance on whether I will be running or not. Um, second, to answer your questions, I really need to dig into detail and see how the law is going to be implemented and also how it's going to be put under the basic law. So that's a fairly equivocal answer. Well, you know how it's going to be put under the basic law. Well, no details yet. <laughs> so you're certainly not ruling out the possibility that you would, uh, you would agree to uphold the national security law. All the options are there. I, I didn't rule anything. Yep. All right. Uh, TC on Facebook says, given members of LegCo have such weak legislative powers, it's a waste of time for them to talk about any policy initiatives. But rather, a rational expectation of any potential LegCo is that they should attend meetings. Look at some of their attendance, specifically how many of the non-establishments were absent during the roll call, uh, when all of them attending would defeat some controversial uh, appropriations. Uh, most importantly, I think non-establishment members of LegCo who didn't cast a no vote uh, for the national uh, anthem law shouldn't be candidates in September. Uh, do they mean pro-establishment? Do you mean pro-establishment there, TC? I'm mm -hmm. a bit baffled by that uh, comment. Um, anyway, uh, we're out of time. Uh, thank you very much indeed for, for, for joining us this morning. Thank you to uh, Edward Yam uh, in our social studio, candidate for the LegCo election uh, in uh, 2018, possibly a candidate uh, next time round as well. Benson Wong. evasive on that one. <laughs> Political analyst, thank you very much indeed for, for joining us today. Just an update on that, that uh, traffic situation we were talking about um, uh, earlier this morning. This is the latest we have. This is about 20 minutes ago. Um, that 
lane of uh, Tunmun Road towards Kowloon are still closed to traffic and the big queues there, uh, congestion uh, going back to Tunmun Road near Tunmun Town Centre, that's on Tunmun Road towards uh, Kowloon. Um, That's it for the programme today. As I say, Ronnie Tong joining us uh, for the whole programme uh, on his own uh, tomorrow with plenty of time to uh, answer your questions and your queries about uh, the national security uh, legislation. Hope you can uh, join us then. Danny, thank you very much indeed. Here's the weather before we go. Mainly fine, apart from some isolated morning showers. Very hot during the day. Temperatures of up to about 34 degrees. The outlook, sunny periods and showers tomorrow, and then the weather will deteriorate on Sunday, and it's going to be windy with squally showers. And still some showers around on Monday and on Tuesday. There's a very hot weather warning now. 30 degrees, relative humidity at 71%. Registration for the $10,000 cash payout scheme is about to start. From June 21st, Hong Kong permanent residents aged 18 or above may register electronically through a bank for payment into their account. For electronic registrations completed by June 30th, registrants will receive the payment from July 8th. If you wish to register using a paper form, follow the schedule based on your year of birth. You may also register through Hong Kong Post to collect a check. Visit cashpayout.gov.hk for details. 9.31, the news now with Samantha Butler. Amnesty International is calling for greater scrutiny of what it calls the shadowy and poorly regulated global trade in tear gas. The report singles out Hong Kong as an example of where tear gas has been used excessively and inappropriately. A professor of management and innovation says he doesn't see any long-term viability of Ocean Park given regional competition, its over-reliance on mainland tourists and a lack of diversity in its business. The struggling theme park reopens tomorrow since its closure in January due to the coronavirus. And Zoom Video Communications says Beijing demanded the termination of four public meetings held on its video conferencing platform on June the 4th to commemorate the 31st anniversary of the Tiananmen Square massacre. Zoom said it didn't provide any user information or meeting content to the Chinese government and that it wouldn't allow further requests from China to impact users outside the country. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. It's time right now on Radio 3 to say good morning to Phil Whelan and his guests on The Morning Brew. Hello. 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 How are you? Not too bad at all. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hello. You never Facebook chat with me, Phil. Good morning. He's got the Tom and Jerry type violence. It's a great experience if you just want to get a bit of zing. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Good morning to you and welcome to Friday's Morning Brew with me, Phil Whelan. Always love Friday, nice and easy, cool people to talk to and lots to learn. 1010, we're going to nip over to Charleston, USA. Yep, it's Chef Wes the Slasher Long. So join him in his kitchen, a few great tips, a couple of easy recipes and any of your questions on Facebook Live. After 11, it's this week's edition of Sports and All with our man Danny Hicks. Today, a bit of golf with the CEO and Commissioner of the Asian Tour, Cho Min Tan. Also, we've got Spanish Football League, English Premier League and New Zealand Rugby. Bish bash bosh. 12 plus, we're off to the movies with James Marsh, My Prince Edward, Why Don't You Just Die and Low Season. Long and short of it is 26 minutes to 10 with Fran Healy.
screen. 